I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from Scenic Hamilton, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hello. I have muscles in my body that hurt, and I didn't even know those muscles existed. Hey, kind of big same, friends. It's been a weekend, y'all. This is episode 294 of the Geek Down podcast. If you would like to listen to any of our other 293 episodes, take yourself wherever you get your audio content, be it Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Look up the Geek Down podcast. Give us a little rate, review, follow, subscribe, chef's kiss emoji, however you feel. Pushes us up the algo, helps us make new friends here at the show. And what do you get in return? Well, friends, you'll never have to worry about acquiring these episodes ever again because they're going to be brought to you freshly delivered from the back of a rainbow-maned alicorn named Philip by your mans. Chauncey Basilicus Third, Geek Down Internet Elf. It's the autumnal season. He's wearing a scarf. He's maybe got a maybe got a zip-up cardigan on. You know, a little cowl neck action going. Yep. Uh, we've got our list of movies sorted. The ones that we're going to watch for our October movie nights. Oh, you and you and John's here. Yeah, because well, yeah, we're, we're good friends. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yep. Hope you have a hope you have a great time. No, I'm sure it's going to be great. We're going to have pumpkin spice lattes, like basic white bitches. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, he's the physical color white, but that's because he's a ice elf. <laughs> that he is. Friends, if you have suggestions for Caitlin and Chauncey's October movie nights, you can let us know over, over at twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That's where the show lives on the social means. And if you would like to support this endeavor financially, so Caitlin and Chauncey can stay in cowl neck sweaters and pumpkin spice lattes, you can throw $3 in the old tip jar at ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. We appreciate every donation made to this endeavor. Friends, even though it's only been a week since we last recorded, it's been a week and a couple days, and it feels like this is just a jam-packed weekend, a week oh, jam-packed with activity. Fun. Yeah, jeez. Huh. Why are you sore? Um, I was helping my parents uh, get rid of stuff. Oh, my. Because, and it's going to sound very morbid, but I know that if I don't do it now, when they die... It'll just be that much worse. Jesus Christ, Caitlin. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's dark, but it's the truth. And uh-huh, I mean, it duh. helps with their mental health. Everyone should be trying to purge. We, you know, we use consumerism to fill the gaps in our own hearts. I have no idea what you're um, talking about. <laughs> as, uh, you know, a stack of of records collapses on top Shut of you. your face. Shut up. Um, but yeah, so I, and I definitely overdid it. I, I basically cleaned and tidied and moved boxes and books for 12 hours and my body hates me right now. (laughs) I am coming off a, uh, just jam packed Saturday. Uh, executive producer cute and I had another weekend of just for laughs events. You will recall, uh, we recorded on Friday last weekend because we were going into just for laughs weekend one which featured uh, a conversation with writer, showrunner, actress Issa Rae. 
uh, which was delightful and she was very charming. And then later on that afternoon, we had a recording from uh, Busy Phillips for her podcast. Busy Phillips is doing her best. Uh, yep. Best moment of that was when Busy Phillips apparently was unaware Toronto had a subway. <laughs> what? She was just kind of asking the audience. It was like, it's like, oh, be- beautiful city. How do, you, how do you guys get around it, though? Like, you drive, right? And somebody, you heard streetcar come from the audience. She's like, oh, like like a bus, and then I didn't hear I didn't hear the audience member say it, but she just whipped her head and went like, "You have a fucking subway!" Oh my god! She's like, "Well, great, so it's a beautiful city. I've seen all of it today, um, walking it." Uh, and then, low key, my personal highlight was then there were there was a like in later in the evening, there was a, um, I think they were basically calling it like, like. Russell Peters old school mixtape type thing. It was like a free thing in on the street outside of where a lot of these venues were, which were like um, the St. Lawrence Center for the Arts and Meridian Hall, kind of down on Front Street there, east of uh, east of Union. And like Russell Peters was there. This was a free event. He was just chilling out on the stage, and like Big Daddy Kane was there, and nice and smooth, and uh, EPMD. Like Russell Peters is you know. That guy who grew up, he grew up loving hip hop, so he mm-hmm. likes to incorporate that whenever he can. And I don't know if he did a set per se, but he was just kind of like hosting the event. Um, we tried really hard to make it <laughs> to that <laughs> event, but it had been a long ass day. I had worked that day, so I've been up since like three thirty a.m. Oof! Someone queued up, put in a full day at work, and then like had to like negotiate traffic on a Friday to get into the city. Which is actually, yes, it's terrible, but you still have to get here to use the subway, so yeah. that it's not fun. And so that, that was a whole thing, and man, we, we really tried. But while we didn't really get to see that, because we were starting to, system crash was coming, I did manage to see uh, a DJ set from Cypher Sounds, one half of the Juan Epstein podcast. He was in town for it. He also did stand-up, and he did a very, I, it, it was the version of his set that I wanted to see the most, because he does like, he DJs, but he you know, does jokes. So, but that, that was enjoyable. And then he played a song for the white people and it was a Wonderwall. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> the white people love Wonderwall. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, that was all, that was all very good. And then last night, God, it's all such a blur. Well, Friday we saw Gerard Carmichael fresh from his Emmy win for the special Rathaniel. Um, it was my first experience with the lock up your phone vibe. I never had that before. Where they like okay. give you a pouch and you have to put your phone in it, and they lock it with like one of those anti theft things, and then your phone is just really? sealed in there. Oh yeah, I've never, I didn't know that existed. I know, con- I, I know, I know of anything comedians do this a lot, like Chappelle, Chris Rock, they because especially if they're like doing a tour before the special gets recorded, right? Like they don't want right. the shit out there, or if they're workshopping stuff, um, which I think really. Gerard's set was like he didn't even like get an introduction he just walked on stage at one point and um just kind of talked and if Rathaniel was you know really kind of about the the act of him coming out as a gay man this was more about how he's moving through the world now that he's trying to live his truth right um and how he's had to change basically his entire life how he approaches most of his life um because he's not hiding or he's trying not to hide anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to that end, I'm not going to say much of the material, 
but at one point he was just like, "Is there any journalists in the, in the audience? If you could not, um, just just don't, just don't, just don't, <laughs> just don't, just don't. Um, we don't need a take on this. <laughs> there was there was material in the hour that uh, at one point he was like, "You see why I asked the journalists not to do that?" And we were like, "Yeah, we see that." Um, <laughs> and the highlight was probably then we we exit the venue. Um, while we were waiting in line, Mike Berbiglia, who was on before draw, just wandered out of the theater and like walked by us. Um, oh, that's cool. And then we looked down one of the side streets and could see him getting into like the vehicle, could see Gerard getting into the vehicle to head back to the hotel. This was the only set he did at the festival. Like some people did multiple sets. This, this was his only one. So he may have just come popped in, popped out. Um, but on his way by, uh, someone cute adorably was like waving at the van and you could see him in there waving back at her. So that was, Oh, that's nice. That was very cute and exciting. Um, and then last night was, uh, Mark Marin, host of the WTF podcast, a legend at this point, living legend at this point, someone I've listened to and been low key a fan of for many years. And he had definitely had the most polished set of anyone. Like that was not, he was not working anything out. Like these were, these were jokes he's been doing for a while. So Marin was fantastic, and uh, after that, we decided we were going to try to do Nuit Blanche, which was bad. No. Which was no, bad. No, you didn't. <laughs> we did. No, God, please, no. Which is no! an all-night, an infamous all-night uh, art festival in the city. I mean, let's when it first started, I'm going to say like the first four years, it was it was fine. And then it just got wilder and wilder. And now it's like people were having sex on this, you know, <laughs> statue. Like, it's just well, because, bizarre now. Because at peak, pre-COVID, it was very much like every kid from the York region <laughs> coming down to party all night in the city. Yeah. Whether you were of age and you went, you know, to the bar beforehand and then wandered the street trying to see things afterwards. Or you were just, you know, a 16-year-old from Woodbridge who wanted to pound four loco in the middle of Young Dundas Square. Like, it's just... It was that vibe, too. This is the first year they've done it since 2019, and I think they tried to combat that a little bit by spreading everything out so far. Like, But then, but then everyone is trying to get on the, on the subway and, or on the streetcar, and it's like, oh, there's traffic. It just... Ugh. Bleh. So we did see some things we managed to, we went to the stack market. There were a couple things popping near there and just, you know, a fun vibe, people being around, um, down under, what is it called? It's under the gardener. It's like a public park area under the gardener. I cannot remember oh. what it's called. Someone keeps screaming at me cause I can't remember what it's called. The Bentway. That's what it's called. They had some installations down there. Um, and down in Harbor front, we saw a few things. As well, but none of the, like the big marquee ones, um, because there was shit in Scarborough, there was shit in North York, there was shit in Etobicoke. The highest concentration of stuff was probably at Harbor Front that we saw, but like the the walk to get down there was so freaking long. And then with all the yeah. detours and the general hellscape that is uh, the five hundred four streetcar on King Street, it was just walking back was like <laughs> it was like well the streetcar is going to come in forty minutes, or we could just hoof it in 25 so we hoofed it but but we're old and that hoofing it is no longer like i'm a spry 20 year old listen like, oh, I, my legs. I feel okay i feel okay today i also slept till 11 30 this morning so yes 
is what it is. The highlight was getting roll that that quintessential Toronto activity of getting rolls on at twelve thirty. <laughs> legendary, oh, yeah. legendary dim sum spot rolls on over on uh, over on Spadina, north of Dundas. I used to every so often I would go to um, the Owl of Minerva in North. Ah, uh, yes, they got one of those downtown yeah. too now. I think. Oh, it was that was good. So all in all, just for laughs was a uh, was a fantastic experience overall. We definitely got our money's worth, as we said before. It's kind of like a credit system. Like so, once you start, if you spend a credit, you can get the credit back, and that's basically what we did. We got to see we got to see Marin, which was not part of our original roster of shows, but because we saw Busy, we got the credit back, and we just spent the credit on on Marin. Could have kept going. Could have walked out of the building, gotten back in line, got the credit back, and saw Maria Bamford at nine. You know, like. If we had so chosen, but if we had so chosen, but we wanted to start getting into that art, but yeah, just for laughs is a, is a good, good, good time. That's awesome. Even if, even if convoluted in the execution, if you you can figure out the, uh, labyrinthine method of using the credits, um, every time they would play this preamble about like for the best experience, download the JFL app. And like, people were literally laughing by like. By the time we went to see Gerard, they made that announcement and people were busting out laughing because it was not, <laughs> it was not a seamless experience at all. Anyway, Kate. Yeah. A uh, couple items of news out there. Uh, it's time of surprising returns. Really? Yes. What kind of returns? Uh, on the one hand, this is very, this is very niche. Friends, you will recall, I believe God, the one and only time. We did a show at the satellite branch. I remember it was after it was, was after that number one. Did we only do one? We only did one, and it was after our July hiatus. And I had gone out there and said, "Kate, I discovered this K-pop group called EXID, and they're delightful." Oh my god! <laughs> EXID really recently celebrated their tenth anniversary, and despite I'm, I'm fascinated by this more. For what it means from a business standpoint, so they, it's okay. their tenth anniversary. They put out a little mini album, you know, for yeah. four songs or whatever. It's fine. K-pop is never reinventing the wheel, but sometimes it's a good time. Um, but they are not generally the K-pop model is an agency assemble some girls or some mm-hmm. guys. They are now oh, a band. I think you mean. I think you mean they take them out of the cloning vat. <laughs> They put them in abhorrent conditions and train them to be idols, and it's, it's really it's really problematic. <laughs> um, yeah. But what's interesting about this, and then you know they put them out, and you know there there's oh god, SM is one agency, and they have a whole roster of people, and and JYP named after JY Park, who was uh, Jay Young Park, who was an idol himself at one point. He's now got an agency and a bunch of acts, and EXID at one point were on this label called. They were on a few different labels. Basically, they were they were a uh, pet project of this guy uh, named Shinsen Dong Tiger, who was a he was a producer, he was a songwriter, and he wanted to do his own group. So he kind of got uh, EXID together. Their contracts all elapsed. You know, these these acts usually get uh, signed for seven years, and then you choose if you want to re up or not. None of them re upped. Then you choose if you want new clones or not. Yeah, uh, yeah. none of them re upped, and they all kind of went their separate ways. So they're not under the same agency anymore. And they're all kind of like doing different things. Some of them I don't even think have agencies right now. So the fact that they were able to get this together under, I think Sony is the one putting it out. But the, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the business that was involved here. Huh. How you got all like, these people. 
do I mean they must have they must be paying the original agency some money because they're using the name. Oh, the original I don't know. The original agency has folded, so Oh. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. Um there's I've seen now since there's like a 15 minute like behind the scenes of the making of it video up that I have yet to watch, but I I'm wondering if it'll get into this a little bit. Um because I I've seen bits and pieces to suggest that this Shinzo Dung Tiger character um, help them like find a rehearsal studio. Like the agency would take care of all that normally, right? Hire the choreographer, hire the stylist, mm-hmm. hire, do all that stuff. Who was doing that this time? If they were just trying to do this like anniversary project, kind of of their own volition, like That's, that is, you know what? I'm also fascinated now. So look what you've done, Jordan. <laughs> if I get more information on that. Uh, I will share it once I watch some of these clips, but, uh, Helen's voice is still magical. I don't know. What about her voice? Just scratch some itch, something in her tone, something in the tone and pitch of her voice. I just really, really think she's talented. Um, and the song, the song's fine. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I love the, it's like, uh, the music. But the people seem great. The people do seem great. The music's fine. I mean, is it as good as the it, last Perfume album? No, not by a lot, not by any stretch of the imagination. But it's fine. It was a good. It was a good batch of clones this round. Um, listen, it's not a ballad. There are no ballads on the album because that's what I was expecting. I was just expecting. Oh, thank you to the fans. Even the thank you to the fans song is kind of a bop. Oh, so shouts to that. Okay. Um, other the other shocking return. I woke up to go to work. We know I wake up to go to work super early and yep. I still find time to check Instagram when I wake up at three, three twenty three AM. And at the top of my feed from the community Instagram account was just randomly that clip of Abed running out of the cafeteria, screaming six seasons in a movie. Yeah. And I went, huh? That's an odd thing to post out of nowhere. They don't really mean no, 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 no. And then I got up and I went to work and then I, you know, did my job for a few hours and then it was lunchtime and I sat down at lunchtime and had a message from, uh, my homeboy pops. And it was a link that was just from the community Facebook group that said, hashtag and a movie friends, Peacock ordered the community movie. Yeah, they did. It is happening. Uh, we will not explain all the lore behind the phrase six seasons, six seasons in a movie, but it kind of became this prophecy about the show that the fans always latched onto. Community I mean, was a very tumultuous uh, show in its production. I can, I can I can very quickly sum it up for people. Go ahead. There was a show called The Cape. And it was about a man who had like a magical cape, basically. And Abed was really excited about this show and dressed up as the main character and went around using his cape to just like smash things on the ground. Um, And Jeff was getting very upset at him. And he finally said to Abed, show's going to last three weeks. Six seasons and a movie. And see, I always wondered if they would do something because community did end up being six seasons. It did, um, despite it itself. It kind of limped it was, along despite to itself, it. But. It wasn't on purpose, um, I'm sure. Um, and so I always wondered if they would just, even if they did like a small movie, but the fact that they are doing it, I'm really, I'm very excited. 
I thought there was a chance when they did that uh, live read, that charity live read during yes, COVID. Yes, that had Pedro Pascal. Yes, which we talked about at the time when it happened yes. and how delightful it was. Um, and how they all kind of hung out for you know an hour afterwards, and I think it became a podcast. But um, obviously, Donald Glover being the biggest... Um, wild card there and it should be said none of all of the articles and the write-ups do not mention if glover is attached or not um i find myself curious if Harmon would want to do it dan Harmon, the creator would want to do it he's already attached to write and you know produce um i am curious if he would be interested in really pursuing it without him um all the other key players on the cast uh joel McHale, allison brie danny pudi um, Ken Jong, Jim Rash, and uh, Gillian Jacobs have all been name dropped in here. Event Nicole Brown and Donald Glover, who both left the show before during its run, um, have not been confirmed or denied if they are uh, actively involved. But the fact that this thing is actually happening and that it exists mm-hmm. is it just brings joy. Is wild, uh, and we are certainly have our fingers crossed that it will be good. There's no way it's going to be bad. No, the dean, the dean alone. <laughs> you just give me like oh four, four dean jokes, and um, I'll be fine. And we're good. Yeah. <laughs> so those are my two uh, yeah. items of news that that crossed my bow this week that I was excited about. You said you had a rant you wanted to go on. I have um uh, something that came up because I, the internet knows me really well now, and it was like this is a movie you should you know, circle on your calendar and I may see it in theaters and oh. I may drag you to it. Oh, um, it is called they clone Tyrone already. This is a Netflix thing. It's not going to a theater. Is it not? It's Netflix. I thought <gasps> if it's Netflix, that's even better. Cause yeah, so um, someone cute executive producer cute sent me uh, the trailer initially. Oh my God. I think I watched the trailer like five times in a row. <laughs> um, I I'm thrilled. I the whole thing just fills me with joy. Um it's directed by Jewel Taylor. I think that's how you say his first name. Um he has a weird collection of things. He like directed like Creed 2 and Space Jam, the new one. Um and this is very different <laughs> stylistically. Um but it also stars John Boyega and Jamie Foxx. Um and uh uh, Tayona Paris and already that's just like even the first clip like the elevator clip that you see in the trailer that just everything it was everything um, so I'm very very excited about that and that's all you want to talk about this week uh, yeah that's basically it I mean like I said I spent all weekend locked away in my parents trying to <laughs> clean things so I didn't get to like dive into very much the only other thing of note on my end that I'm seeing now in my notes is, friends, none of you will believe this, and you'll be kind of shocked. I'm believe, embracing myself. I believe I'm in a sickness crisis point. What? Oh, no. <laughs> we recall that last weekend, in the midst of all my uh, JFL activities, there was also the downtown Toronto Record Exchange. Oh, yes. Down, down on Broadview. Uh, at the Ukrainian club, the I think it is Ukrainian. One of those centers, um, mm-hmm. and 
I was like, man, it's five bucks, whatever. You gotta know. So not only did I go down in the rain, <laughs> it was raining that day. I do not currently have an umbrella because my umbrella broke. But anyway, uh, I thought Aww. I could, I thought I could dodge it. It wasn't raining when I got into the venue, but when I left the venue, it was like full as pouring. I was like, this is great. And I went in, I paid my $5. I looked around for about 45 minutes and I left. Oh. And then I kind of went to, I went to Sonic Boom because I took, took all the money that, uh, had all the money that I took out for the event, all the cash. I was like, well, let's just go take that back to the bank and popped into Sonic Boom on my way to the bank, had to look around there and kind of went, nothing really popping off here. Um, and then this weekend was uh, something called Live Convention, which I've talked about before, and it is the bougiest of the bougie <laughs> record shows. Sounds this terrible. Is, this, is not just a, this is not just a record show. This is like... So Scratch Bastard, and they have a bunch of DJs come in as well and do events. Um, a guy named Rashad Ringo Smith, who's uh, you know produced some classic Buster Rhymes pieces and had, has done a bunch of uh, uh, notable rap beats. He was kind of giving a low key talk at a store uh, in Toronto, and then it all kind of culminates with the the uh, what do they call it? The Cratery Record Exchange or something like that, or the Live Convention Record yeah. Exchange. It is like you are going to find the rare pieces here. Right. Um, by all intents and purposes, I probably should have made my way down there. Chances are there are things that I have thought I would never see that I would see there. But, but, here's the thing. Number one, okay. I, I, was, I was doing... Okay. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm getting comfortable. Let's hear it. I was doing the Nuit Blanche things, which kept me out very late. And doors were technically... for. Here's the thing. Doors were at noon. For general, if you wanted to pay $25 to get in at 9 or 10, whatever it was, you could do that. Or you could spend $15 for the benefit of getting in to spend your money. Thank you for allowing me to spend $15 to come in and spend my money. The fuck? I get it. you got to pay for the venue. You got to pay to do whatever. That's not even what. A, that's not even what grinds my gears, as they say. All right. What grinds my gears is if I'm on Instagram and I'm looking at this shit. You know what I'm seeing, Kate? You know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing all what these you- motherfuckers who came in to sell their shit just trading with each other. Right. They're just they're clearing out all the good shit to each other before they even open the doors. And that just kind of like feels gatekeepery and snobby, and you know, I'm not I don't gross. Know. It feels gross. Doesn't it feels it? gross, and I don't fuck with it. And like, here's the thing: at the end of the day, what's getting my blood pumping more? The idea of you know sifting through and maybe finding some like you know Benny Maupin's 1977 album, uh, something something traffic. I don't remember what it's called. He's on a bike. I would know it if I saw it. <laughs> but- the one where he's on a bike. The one where he's on a bike. Motherfuckers would know. I'd be like, with the grassroots flip on it, and they'd be like, oh yeah, cool. Um. Would I want to spend $75 on that? Or do I want to spend $75 on the Japanese rap album that I first heard the sample on? I want the Japanese rap album. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, you do. It's just, it's realizing that the shit I'm into is not, I am apart from the culture I, that I situate myself in, you know? But I mean, that's just, I mean, beside that being very Jordan, no offense. How dare um, you? <laughs> everyone who knows you is just like, yeah. That's Jordan. <laughs> um, 
I'm a unicorn. Besides that, I think it's always like that, right? There are, I mean, I'm a comic book fan, but there's lots of stuff that I really like that it's not really popular or people don't really care about it. Like no one really talks about the Max anymore, <laughs> right? But I still think they're, you know, great comics or the pit or the Max versus the pit. Um, <laughs> what? Um, but Shouts to the Keith Hive out there. <laughs> Sam Keith See? lovers at. I'm just saying that like it's, you know, and I a lot of the time buy comic books for the art <laughs> and people are like, oh, well, that's, that's gross. But for me, that's part of, you know, what attracts me to it. Right. Um, I don't care how good the story is. If the art sucks, it's going to be like lame. <laughs> um, so, you know, they're sort of, I think that's part of it's for us. It's not just the collecting itself. Well, as we, I've talked about many times, I'm not really a collector. It's just, the stuff that I like, right? I don't care if someone thinks that, you know, it's not worth a lot or um, it's not particularly good in comic book standards or, you know, I like what I like. And I think you shouldn't, I think you should embrace that, Jordan. And like, listen, some, some do, there, there, there was a brief moment of, <gasps> of standing, standing to get, our, get seated with someone cute at Rolson, having to flip open Instagram and uh, the homie Big Jack's. DJ Big Jacks was like, here's what I'm selling. And first slide, bunch of City Pop. Did I already have most of it? Yeah. But there were a couple pieces in there that were, maybe I would have liked to snag. Maybe. But am I going to spend $25 to go down there for the benefit of maybe finding it to get in before the rest of the plebs at noon? No, I'm not going to do that. And even I just, there's a vibe shift happening. I feel like there was a big vibe shift in this show when I saw what people were selling. Even a guy who, like, I was, like, super amped. I deliberately went to the show two years ago or two, three years ago to buy from him. He's a Japanese dude. He had, like, an Henri 7-inch that I really, that had, you know, one of the best songs from, <laughs> let's get real deep with it. One of the best songs on Timely that is not on the uh, actual LP version. It was only on the CD, and it was a B-side to some 7-inch. I went out and I bought the 7-inch a few years ago from him. And then I see what he's, you know, he fires up his Instagram again to be like, I'm selling all this stuff at the Cratery Record Exchange. And it's like... Samurai movie soundtracks and psych records. These motherfuckers love psych. I don't get it. They love psych rock so much. Just stop. I, I don't know what that is. It's like, it's got a lot of reverb and it sounds, it's 60 stuff with like, maybe it's got some heavy drums in it, but I'm not going to spend $80 on a record for a single drum break. I mean, like, okay. You talk about how you're like, that's ridiculous. My thing is, I think buying records is ridiculous. How dare you? I can just get the music on my computer i don't need records <laughs> right like to me i'm like that's that's a silly thing to do Listen, you, you can go back and listen to the holiday geek down sickness spectacular with me and mr malosh from uh, a year ago <laughs> to go through yeah. why records but yes but yeah just nothing nothing i <laughs> would have seen at the Cratery Record Exchange would have got me as excited as the day when I finally see a reasonably priced copy of the Blood Blockade Battlefront and Beyond soundtrack. Ooh, that would be good. The day that happens, you, I will be impossible to deal with. And who knows, y'all, that's just, Japan's opening up fully again next month, so I got that milling around in my brain again. So Yeah, it might, you might, you know, this might just be, like, you know how sometimes relationships go cold a little bit? This might <laughs> 
to see what that is, you know? You need to find your way back catch, to the love of your life. Catch which me is, at, which is records. <laughs> yeah. We know that. Catch me at Face Records in uh, eight months. Uh, it's probably not going to be this year, but. You never know. You never know. Anyway, that was meandering. Kate, you're not watching anything this week? Uh, no, I, I mean, we kept up with um, Lower Decks. This was a great episode this week. It was D- the DS9 episode. Mwah, so good. Um, and uh, and we've also just finished um, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Uh, I think it, it's just like it's, it's the final um, episode, I believe. Was it's, that it? I was I think it's six six episodes, but these episodes are like chonky episodes, right? <laughs> um, so um, I think that's it. It's apparently they already know, like they got they got they're getting five seasons. So I think I'm hoping that'll help. I mean, obviously they've got an arc in mind, and I think before they started, I think they might have signed off on five seasons. I mean, Bezos already spent the money, so. Yeah. So, and they've got all the sets. So every time it's funny now, every time somebody uses, reuses a set or they've like got a setting, we're like, or it looks really good. We're like, they're using that again. <laughs> That'll come back. Um, so yeah. So, but I mean, they're really good. They're a lot of fun. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. This one, this last episode was really like pretty gruesome and there was a lot of, Stabbing. I don't mind gruesome and stabbing, but I don't want the anticipation of being like, who's going to die? Are they all going to die? Are some of them going to die? Um, I don't I don't like that. So, yeah. But other than that, that's, that's it. I know. So boring this week. So boring. So boring. Thank God I've got so many things to talk about. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> We're never going to get to the second half of this episode. No, I'll go fast. I uh, forgot to mention uh, Reservation Dogs. I think I mentioned it's on Disney Plus here in Canada, um, going week to week, and I have not mm-hmm. seen... There are five episodes currently up. I have not seen all of them. I did see the first two. Um, the show is great. This is not a surprise to anyone. Um, and the, what I've seen of the second season is as good as the first season. Uh, Andor was still really good this week, but I mean, it's the first part of the next movement, right? So it's a oh, lot, it's a lot oh, of yes, setup. Oh, yeah, sorry. I also watched, we also watched Andor. Of course you, was, of course you did. Of course, of course we did. Um, episode four was still good, but I mean, it's different when you have the whole, you know, story of the first movement available. The first three episodes dropped on the single day and now it's just week to week. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got the first part. So it was cool. And you saw some you know cool things. You learned more about the Stellan Skarsgård character. Mom Mothma showed up. Like it was, you saw a nice grassy Highland planet. <laughs> like there was... There were some cool things there, but I mean, it's all, it's all set up to the next thing. You know, whatever it's the, it's the heist setup. Um, when we found out it was a heist, both (laughs) senior correspondent and I like freaked out. We're like, it's the bank job. It's the bank job. Y'all were amped. Uh, yeah. So I mean, Andor is one of the best things I'm watching right now. Um, She-Hulk is one of the finest things I'm watching right now. It's always a nice little aperitif. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. She-Hulk's out. And I watch it, and I'm like, that was cool. Yeah. We'll keep it moving. Um, what else is in here? So I said I was going to... And I'm, I'm, friends, you got to hold me to this. Y'all got to hold me to this. I want... I'm putting this call out to Caitlin, someone cute, oh. the public. 
everyone, if I come back to this table next week and I have anything to say about House of the Dragon, that means I watched it and I want you all to fucking roast me alive. Okay. Dracarys straight that. on my ass. This show is bad. B-A-D bad. The pacing is fucked. The time jumps are ridiculous. You are introducing characters and expecting me to care about them within the span of 40 minutes when I've never seen them before. Yeah, that's not good. Chris and Andy were talking about it and Andy is having his frustrations with it as well and like there was a character who by the end of the last episode this is the one with the time jump where they recast a bunch of people. You know, it's now 10 years. For for really no reason. Well, they just had to do five episodes of preamble to set it up to get in really into when the, this, you know, civil war is supposed to start. Um, but you have this character who, by the end of the episode, he like, you know, sets his entire family on fire. And the actor was interviewed by Vulture and it was kind of like, well, like that seemed kind of out of nowhere. It's like, well, it's been 10 years and, you know, the relationships, blah, blah, blah. And Andy was like, cool. Sounds like it would have been a good show. <laughs> you don't fucking see any of it. Yeah. Like, if y'all thought the pacing was bad when we were crossing the narrow sea six times an episode, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, it's ridiculous. The show is bad. I'm not doing it anymore. The shit takes up. I don't have many more 61-hour blocks in my life. <laughs> this is what this is what I've been saying. I about, know. Like, there's too much TV for things to be bad. Like, it, I, okay, I get the visuals are amazing. The costumes are fantastic. You could have, like, a six-part documentary on how the show was made. But the storytelling is trash. The show makes me forget what I ever liked about Game of Thrones in the first place. Like, I come out of every episode like, why, why was I here? Why did I do this? Why do I just want to watch all these blonde-haired people be awful to each other? Why are we doing this? As a culture. <laughs> all of us. We're all giving this thing record numbers. Like, it's the oh, thank God, more Game of Thrones. Like, it's the second coming of Christ. What the fuck is wrong with us? What are we doing? No. Um, giving blonde-haired people um, a bad rap, really. Listen, if I'm going to um, watch something that's 61 minutes long, Extraordinary Attorney Woo got the same runtime, and I feel way better coming out of that show than I do watching, the, you know, Doctor Who, like, scowl. You know what? I think, also, it might be this idea that they're trying to, like, recapture that last water cooler everybody oh, was watching moment. This is like when Journey or another 80s or 90s band reforms, but they don't have the original singer. Like, it's fine. It's hitting the same notes. Mm-hmm. But Literally. It's not, but it's not. It's not the same. It's not the yeah. thing. It's doing yeah. a less good version of the thing you liked. But we know that in the current cultural moment we live in, it's just like, hey, that thing you liked, have more of it. Shove that down your content hole, you peons. That's all. That's the methodology here. I refuse, Caitlin. I refuse. I'm done. I'm out. Refuse. Uh, two notes from the Someone Cute Files. Nick Kroll, who is a comedian, apparently. I did not know this. I knew him mostly as an actor and a writer, but also mm-hmm. apparently does stand-up. Uh, has a special on Netflix. It is called Little Big Boy. It is not without its charms. To me, it was like, like Sheng Wang, which I talked about a couple weeks ago, like had me falling out. And this has a lot of quotables, but it did not have right. me falling out. Mm. Um, I say this even as EPQ and I were like making, kept repeating jokes from it this weekend. But um, my favorite bit, which actually I didn't talk about with her, is his, his inner monologue, his inner critic. Uh, sounds like Jason Statham. 
Okay. He's like, I'll be standing in the mirror and be like, Look at you, all red and rashy, right out of the shower. Why are you so red when you get out the shower? Because I have eczema. Yeah, you've got eczema, don't you? Oh, God, amazing. Um, things like that. Yeah. The other thing that I just finished this afternoon, this also came from the Someone Cute Files, and I'm here to publicly thank her for staying on this one and not letting me do my bullshit about it because I was misinformed about what the show was and uh, okay. it is I'm not the first this is not a this is not a scathingly hot take uh, this has been out there I think it just landed at a weird time so maybe it I think it landed late in 2021 so it didn't quite hit the uh, like the year-end conversations uh, maybe like it should have and that is the bear which is okay, was on, yeah. which is on Hulu and is on Disney Plus in Canada mm-hmm and I knew it as the chef show. It was about chefs. Yeah, and well. I have a, as, as established or not established on this show, I'm very confused by the chef as rock star phenomenon. I don't get it. I don't know why every chef has a sleeve tattoo now. I don't know why they all look like they play rhythm guitar and Alexis on fire. I don't, I don't fucking get it. I don't know what that uh, vibe is. Maddie Matheson, I don't get it. <laughs> Which is funny because he's, he's on this show, not playing a chef, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> he plays like the handyman trying to get a job there. Um, but that is not what I thought it was going to be, you know. Oh, look at this boy just trying to be good. And he ends up you know, succumbing to the drug fuel at old, you know, kitchen confidential lifestyle and, and high cuisine. And I thought that's what it was. And I did not have much of an interest in that. It is not that at all. It isn't is, it? It's Isn't it about like... A group of people trying to run a successful kitchen. It is. It's more. Like it's more. It's more than that. It is. So the lead characters. No, it's not even fair to say lead character. But the the primary POV is a guy named Carmen, who has basically his family owned a restaurant, which was last owned by his brother, who has passed away and left the restaurant to him. He right. is like had been named the best chef in the world at one point, he was doing the high cuisine type stuff. You see a couple clips of that. Um, and now he is left and processing the trauma of losing his brother and whatever else is going on in his life with trying to transform this basically failing restaurant, which is a like mom and pop greasy spoon type of vibe. So it's him trying to him and a, um, a girl named Sydney, who knows him and knows his career comes back, applies for a job there to basically be the Sioux and partner with him to try to elevate this place. And it's the resistance he gets from the people who are already working there. Um, the trauma of losing his brother and the circumstances behind that, the, the hole his brother left the place in Carmen's brother's best friend. His name's Richie and he's kind of been running the place and it's, it's his system, which is terrible. Um, but he's also struggling with the, like, you know, the neighborhood is changing and it's, it's a change or die vibe, right? Like he wants to hold on to the way things used to be. He doesn't like all this hoity toity, you know, um, French brigade style of running a kitchen type of thing. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. They get slapped with a C rating by the health department in like episode three. Um, And the high point is it's only eight episodes. They're like half an hour a piece, if not less. I burned through it. I burned through it in a day. If you got the time, I highly recommend doing it. It's one of the best things I've seen this year. And the culmination is there is a basically a single shot, 20 minute episode. Episode seven just shows a very bad day in the kitchen. 
right. over the course of 20 minutes, single shot episode. It's fucking phenomenal. Ooh. It's so good. And it, I mean, you can just watch it as it is and be like, that was really good, but it hits so much harder. And I knew this was coming because <laughs> someone cute was like, this episode is giving me heart palpitations. And I'm like, oh God. Oh God. Looking forward to that. And then when it like, <laughs> it started with the credits at the beginning, I'm like, oh God, this is that episode. isn't it? <laughs> um, I also want to shout it out for, it was created by a guy named Christopher Storer who uh, wrote most of the episodes and directed a couple. And he is a white dude. And the story is ostensibly about a white dude and some white people, but it is so effortlessly a multicultural ensemble. You care about every character and every character gets those moments. That's awesome. You know, one of the, one of the line cooks, her name is Tina. She's older. She's been there forever. She's Latina. She's a mother. Um, Sydney is black. Some of the other um, chefs are Somali immigrants or, you know, young black men who are just, you know, their first job was at McDonald's. And then they're seeing through Carmen like, oh, I can be creative doing this type Mm -hmm. of thing. You know, he was formerly just, you know, it's a sandwich shop basically. And, but he started by doing just making the bread rolls. Um, But then he starts looking at Carmen's cookbooks and gets inspired to try like baking and he gets just. Ultimately, he gets too far down that rabbit hole that it's affecting. He's supposed to be making cakes, but he wants to perfect this type of donut. So he keeps fucking around and not fucking around, but he keeps focusing on that instead of the thing he's supposed to be. Um, And the tension that causes never mind all the family stuff going on between Carmen and Richie and Carmen's sister. And, you know, they owe (laughs) they owe this mob guy like three hundred thousand dollars because some shit that Mikey got into before he died, like. Oh my god! It's a lot. <laughs> it, it, it is I'm just gonna—I'm gonna put this out right now. That sounds amazing. I will never watch it. If uh, if given your difficulty handling tension, yeah, it's it's chaos. It is. It is a. The show is bottled chaos. I don't need a show to give me heart palpitations. <laughs> I have them already. So, but there is. There is a way through and it stuck. It could end with this season. It could have just done those eight episodes and be done. And it was a, it was the perfect. We have more if we get renewed. And if we don't get renewed, that's fine. Type of ending. Like it just stuck it. And if that's all they get, that's great. I just saw a great fucking eight episode story. And if they come back, there are places to go that I'm curious to see how that happens. Um, Cool. The Bear on on Disney Plus and on Hulu in the States. Fantastic. I'm the last one in on that boat, but I'm, I'm happy I made it. <laughs> thank you to someone hey, cute. Hey, we got to bring it to other people. And yes, thank you. Thank you, producer cute. That's why, that's why she's the executive producer. I'd be like, I don't know if I yeah. like that show. And she'd be like, shut the fuck up. Watch the show. It's amazing. <laughs> like, well. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I was dumb. And then we're like, yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. Um, something else that someone cute took me to is something that I brought Caitlin or yeah. reminded Caitlin about. I don't think I brought it to her. I think she always wanted to see it. And we were trying to come up with a movie and I was like, hold on. Did you see this yet? And she hadn't. So Cinematic September is going to wrap up on what I think is going to be a very high note when we get into everything, everywhere, all at once after this break.
and welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things we've brought each other. Yeah. This week, Jordan brought me a thing, which was very nice of him because I was having a hard time coming up with a thing, you and can, I thought I had a thing. You came up with a like, good. You came up with a good thing, and I, I did. I forgot what the thing was. I mean, we may go back to that thing one day, so I'm not going to say what it is. But I was like, "Why am I familiar with that? Where did I see that thing? Oh, right, I saw it on the trailer before this thing, Caitlin. <laughs> this thing." Um, and Jordan was absolutely right. I always meant to watch this thing and I even had it on my list, but it was, it had come out in sort of theaters for a bit or you had to like pay for it. Yeah. And anyways, I'm very glad that he remembered because, well, I'll tell you because in a second, but well, before we get into we'll get the because. In hit me with the rules. We're going to hit you with the rules. First rule is the rule of three. Things come in parts. We'll watch three of them. It does not come in parts because it is cinematic September. Yeah. Well, Kind of cinematic October now, but it's fine. Yeah, it's it's okay. We're sort of smudging the lines. There's only so many Halloween films we can watch, <laughs> um, so so this is this is fine. It's fine. It's cinematic September. It's all good. Um, and because of that, it's a film, and so we watch the whole thing, um, which was easily done in this case. Um, the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. That is the rule that we will not talk about the thing before you're sitting in front of these microphones so that you, the audience, our listeners, get our freshest of takes. The thing we are watching may not be particularly fresh. In this case, it wasn't too bad. Um, but we at least want you guys to get our first thoughts, feelings, you know. Yeah. Things we didn't like, things we did. We want you, we want you to sort of like be part of the conversation. Um, the third rule, which isn't really a rule. It is just a policy that we've got here on the podcast is that there will be spoilers. Um, this is a really hard thing to spoil, but there are spoilers. So if you are someone who does not like any kind of spoilery activity, then you need to get out. Um, go do some laundry, sing some karaoke. Um, uh, become a famous actor, um, live your life and don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Friends. This is something that when the trailer dropped, Caitlin McKinnon and I were both like, is this going to be our favorite movie? Are we declaring that before we've even, before we've (laughs) even seen it? Well, it's got Michelle Yeoh being awesome. So it's very highly, very highly likely. Um, this movie is everything everywhere all at once. It is a 2022 American absurdist science fiction comedy drama film, hyphenates, written and directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, collectively known as Daniels. The Daniels! Which is a great name. Who produced it with the Russo brothers. It stars Michelle Yeoh as a Chinese-American woman being audited by the IRS, who discovers that she must connect with parallel universe versions of herself to prevent a powerful being from causing the destruction of the multiverse. Stephanie Sue, Kihi Kwan, Jenny Slate, Harry Shum Jr., James Hong, and Jamie Lee Curtis appear in supporting roles. The film was declared by the New York Times as a, quote, swirl of genre anarchy and features elements of black comedy, science fiction, fantasy, martial arts, and animation. Uh, Kwan and Shiner researched the concept for the multiverse as far back as 2010 and began penning a screenplay as early as 2016, originally written for Jackie Chan. The lead role was later we worked reworked and offered to yo praise be um yeah. <laughs> the movie premiered at south by southwest in march 2022 
Uh, before a wide release by A24 on April 8th, the film received widespread un- critical acclaim. Reviews praised its imagination, direction, screenplay, editing, so many things. And its handling of themes such as existentialism, nihilism, and Asian American identity, it has grossed over $100 million worldwide, becoming A24's first movie to do so and surpassing Hereditary as its highest grossing film. Also well-deserved. Caitlin's going to have to fill in some plot details here because I just know that I love this movie. (laughs) <laughs> but I did not rewatch uh, it for the purpose of this discussion. Um, I do remember walking out of the theater. Uh, I saw this with someone cute. I don't remember when exactly, um, but a few months back. And I remember walking out and basically not even saying it as a knock, but saying if that movie was just a smidge less weird, it would be this generation's matrix. Right. It's kind of how I felt about it. Um, Cause it is, as mentioned in the in the preamble, uh, definitely absurdist, which I do not consider to be a knock on this movie. But Caitlin, how did you feel about it? This movie was delightful and so much fun, and I can definitely. And this is nowadays. This has got to be the highest form of praise. I will be watching this movie again. Absolutely. Just to like plunk down. 140 minutes, like, just, let's watch a fun, good, interesting film. This is it. 100%. Everything. Oh and really, God. I just, I just need to, um, I just need to really say one thing to Jordan, and I know it will just make him laugh. Rakakuni. Literally, it was the thing. <laughs> it was the thing that was in my head when I was about to be like, "What's examples of the absurdism in this movie?" Jesus okay, Christ, Rakakuni. I, I need to explain Rakakuni because this just shows. So, I think I have mentioned before that the love of my life, senior correspondent Christopher, um, has ADHD, and there are certain things about ADHD, like. A Kate, like they'll be weirdly observant about things. So in the f- film, Evelyn has gone to one of her, like she's gone to several of her different selves at this point, and she's trying to talk to her family about, you know, there was a guy in in one of these realities. There's a guy, and you know, it's just like that film uh, where the guy is controlled by the raccoon and her daughter's like, do you mean Ratatouille? And she's like, no, Rakakuni, Rakakuni. And they're like, what? And in a, she flips to a, a, a kind of reality where she is one of those, what are they called? The, oh, they have a name. They Su- chop things. So Su- chef. No. No, no, the sous chef is like the person who is like under the chef. This is a, it has a name. There's a hot thing. It's a hot thing and they chop stuff. <laughs> Somebody knows what I'm oh, talking um, about. Oh, yeah. It's like when you go to, oh shit. See, see, not so, not so smarmy now. It's like teppanyaki or something like that. It's like where you have the flat steam grill and you're cooking. Um, yeah. What the fuck's the name of the restaurant though? Benihana. Sure. But anyways, so you flash over to the, to she's doing stuff and she's getting distracted. And there's a guy across the room who's doing the same job. He's also one of these chefs. And 
I did not see it, but immediately Christopher went, he's like, that's a raccoon tail. The guy has like a little raccoon under his chef hat, just like in Ratatouille, but that's Rakakuni. Oh, and it just goes on from there. It just like spirals out. And we didn't know if they were going to like pick up that thread again or if it was just like a one-off, but Rakakuni does come back. No worries. Um, Like just, oh, it was, it was so good. And I thought, and this is, I mean, we've known for a long time. I mean, Michelle Yeoh has been, I think we've just talked about Michelle Yeoh since the first season. I mean, yeah, if if you were, if you were to run down, if you were to calculate all the references to various actors on this show, Michelle Yeoh has got to be in the top, top percentile. She's phenomenal. And I just am so happy for her like i don't know her personally but i'm just like you get it girl you get it and you just be a, like a world-renowned actress i just feel like she deserves it and she just has a lot of range and the fact that she can do drama and comedy and absurdism and like have these really touching moments and also just kick complete and utter ass um that was amazing but then, of course, the, the, one of the big things is that is it. I know it's key, but is it Kihui Kwan? Kihi, I've heard it Kihui Kwan pronounced like that. Kihui Kwan. Um, of course, like the big thing is, of course, a lot of people know him from Indiana Jones. Give it up for short round, Putin. everyone. Short round, like, but he, he a big thing is like he had to give up acting because the parts were so far, um, few and far between. It's been a big thing that he's, you know, sort of come back to acting. One of the things that brought him back to acting was Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Um, Seeing that film and being like, now there are these roles and I might be able to like do the thing I love, which is acting. Um, And he was phenomenal. So good. Oh my God. Like, Seeing his transition from like geeky husband to like serious, like, you know, future sh- soldier to, um, smoldering, like, like, <laughs> like, like, like K drama, like millionaire. Well, it's like a fucking Wong Kar Wai film. Like, all those scenes, the scene. So, as we said in the preamble, it's like a multiversal, uh, movie and sort of the, the, inflection points of her life that can be pointed to where the branches kind of like split off are she made the choice in like the the earth prime the one we're in when we meet her mm-hmm. she chose to um leave china with she was in love her and ki Kwan were in love they left for america at the um heavy disapproval of her family I feel like, um, and they run a laundry, they want a laundromat, uh, in America, not the most glamorous life. Um, and things have kind of like not been great. And in that as well, you have, um, her daughter who is queer and her trying to, not that even she has a problem with it, but she believes her, she can't be honest with her daughter, you know, her father who is visiting as well. And those are kind of like, <laughs> that's one layer of the conflict added to that is the fact that, you know, the, the multiversal version of her daughter is actually like, you know, the destroyer of worlds. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. We, did you stop? Stop. 
So both of those two actors are fantastic. And I was thinking the weak link was going to be the daughter. <laughs> I mean, of, of, of the actors. Cause even in one film doing um, characters where you're multiple people right. is, is very difficult, right? Um, but when you're doing so many sort of versions, she, the, uh, so, um, Stephanie, Sue, I think that's how you say it. Um, again, apologies um, if I got that wrong. Um, she was also phenomenal. And I was like, because I, you know, it's hard to play a being of infinite power. <laughs> and I think she did it really well. I was at times actually legitimately scared of her. And then at times, like, you could see sort of that madness. And at times... She just wanted to be loved and you got that came through and she did a really good job and she's only, she's okay. Well, I was about to say she's so young. She was, she's 31. She's, <laughs> she's five years younger than I am. Oh, she looks like she's like in her early twenties. Right. So, but yeah, she, she was fantastic. Um, so just kudos to everyone across the board. Um, and just acting wise, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, is just, I think she's just so happy to be there <laughs> and you can sort of see it in the acting and she just makes herself look like the grossest, ugliest, <laughs> like haggard. And then, yeah, I just, oh, but okay. So yes. So amazing acting. The, the fight scenes were great. We have to go back to talking about the just the absurdist parts of it. Hot dog fingers reality <laughs> was wildly disturbing and unbelievably touching. <laughs> like I just I like I had to look away at times. Just, just, just want those two kids to be happy. <laughs> just want those two kids to be happy. Um but hot dog fingers is just it's just yeah. It was wild and amazing. And through all of this and all this wildness and craziness and, and absurdity and hot dog fingers and Rakakuni and all of this, there's this really beautiful, happy ending. <laughs> and I really like the fact that like two thirds through you get to the, you get to the moment where there's a universe where just there, her and her daughter are rocks. Our rocks, yes. And it's just captioned. Like, they can talk and you're seeing the text. Mm -hmm. And you will never believe that just a static shot of two rocks in the middle of, like, a desert with the text, ha, 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 written above it <laughs> will be the most moving thing you've ever seen. But it is. Um, yeah, this movie, like you said, I... It was only for reasons of time that I did not rewatch this movie. I can't wait to watch it again. Um, it was so delightful and so just sure of itself. Like this is the thing we're doing and we're going all the way fucking in. And sometimes and you know that what? means that we're going to fight with dildos and that's okay. Oh, right. Oh, there were a couple things I didn't like. <laughs> Um, sorry, dildos are fine. I, I always think that when dildos are around, it's funny. Um, especially when they're just like aggressively long, like it just, it's always amusing. I did not like the weird anal plug 
scenes and you're like what and yes that is what you need to say um senior correspondent christopher thought they were hilarious (laughs) um i did not think so i was like i could have done without this in the film (laughs) i could have skipped this part but yeah just as a as a vehicle for michelle yo um it's kind of you know eye rolly to be like there's been oscar talk but i mean there has been and at least she deserves a nomination for just doing all the things she does here. Like you said, the ability of this movie to be weirdly absurd as sci-fi and then turn into like a Wong Kar Wai movie where they're like, you know, in, in one of the realities, the one where she stayed in China, she becomes like a action film star. <laughs> like she becomes Michelle Yeoh, basically. Um, she's super glamorous. And she reunites with Waymond, who is their alternate reality husband. And it's that scene where, like, he's all, he looks like a fucking movie star himself. His hair is all done up. He looks in a tuxedo. He looks amazing. They're talking in this yes. rainy alley behind the theater. And it's like, oh, my God. This, the, the swoonage at all angles in that scene is just, is just fantastic. And, y'all. Laundry and taxes. I never forgot Sorry. that. Li- never forgot that line. Laundry and taxes. I think one of the ways we can sort of describe how all over this film is, and and a lot of films sort of try this, but I feel like <laughs> they break apart in the last third of a film, where this one almost feels like it tightens up a little bit. Mm. Um, is to describe the people who worked on the film soundtrack because I just saw it. And <laughs> so it says the film soundtrack features music composed by Sun Lux, including collaborations with musicians Mitski, David Byrne, Andre, Tre- Andre 3000, and Randy Newman. Randy Newman, y'all. <laughs> and that's how you know that you're like, yes, this is, this is strange and lovely and... Yeah, I just I think they I think they did a really good job and I'm just glad that I got to I got I'm glad I got to see it. I'm glad I got to be there. Uh kick punches, easy nine, nine and a half for me, for you. Same nine. I think it was only that butt plug scene that I was like, ooh, <laughs> do not need this in my life. That's what gets at the point five for me. Um <laughs> friends, that is not on a streamer yet per se. Uh it's still for rent or buy. And it is worth uh renting as well what's a rental go for these dates kate like four bucks here's the thing 4.99 we we would love for you to contribute to this endeavor financially ko-fi.com slash geekdown pod three bucks in the old tip jar but i'm here to say it if you only got three bucks and it's rent this movie or give it to us rent this movie a hundred percent they deserve it (laughs) they do deserve it they made a great great thing huh if you do do that and you haven't seen this movie and you watch it let us know what you thought of it at twitter.com slash geek pod or, or Kate. Yeah. It's not going to be next week. I don't know what next week's going to yeah. be. I think we need to give it a little time and I'll tell you why off mic, but I feel, I feel like the return of the seasonal anime preview is coming back. Ooh. Fall, fall has got some heavy hitters, so we may have Ooh. to, uh, we may have to dig into that. And friends, if you've got some shows, new shows only, not second, third seasons, not anything based on something that's already been around. If you've got some new properties, some debuts in this fall season that you're into, you can let us know those on Twitter as well. 
because there are so many anime and it takes me a long time to filter through and pick the ones, pick the five we're going to devote Because you want to know what? You want to know? Hmm. People have terrible taste. Shots fired! Shots fired! I mean, where was the lie? Where was the lie? Friends, you got anime suggestions? Let us know so we can get those, check those out before uh, our preview in a couple weeks. Otherwise, we will be back with what I believe will probably be the start of spoopy season in earnest. It's that time, y'all. It's my month. Kaylin had her month last month. This is my month. It's Libra season, y'all. Get into it. And that is just about going to do it for us this week. Friends, thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you'll join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Oh, or rockets? Oh. Candy corn ass motherfuckers. Wow, I like candy corn, but anyways. You're the monster. Wow. I am the monster. You're the I real know monster. It.